Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode, one from me and one from Tracy V. Wilson. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's September 23rd. Victoria Woodhull was born on this day in 1838. She was the first woman to run for president in the United States 50 years before the ratification of the 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote nationwide. She was from Ohio, named Victoria Claflin after Queen Victoria. Her family also called her Little Queen because she was very proud and she had an uncanny ability to concentrate. Her family background was also a little odd. Her father, Buck Claflin, had a whole range of jobs and schemes to try to make money. He decided to take advantage of the growing interest in spiritualism and to set Victoria and her sister Tennessee up as mediums to have them travel around as a sort of spiritualist medicine show. They had a varied and checkered career as spiritualists and mediums. Victoria got married in the middle of all this, and that's where she got the last name, Woodhull. She eventually, though, divorced him and married someone else and kept the last name Woodhull, which was highly scandalous. In 1868, a purported vision led Woodhull and her family to move to New York City, where she and her sister continued to work as clairvoyants. One of their clients was Commodore Cornelius Vanderbilt, who gave them investment advice, which worked out very well for them. Later on, he financially backed the two sisters opening up their own brokerage firm, which made them the first women stockbrokers on Wall Street. This made her a lot of money. Woodhull was finally able to do something she had wanted to do for a long time, which was to focus on social reform. It's really hard as a woman to be a social reformer unless you also had money to support your work. In April of 1870, she started publishing a series of articles in the New York Herald, including one where she announced her candidacy for the presidency. It was expected that Republican President Ulysses S. Grant was going to run for re-election. She knew she was not at all likely to earn the Democrats' nomination. So to run for president, she would need to nominate herself and get enough support to make it onto the ballot. So she bought a newspaper. The newspaper obviously endorsed her candidacy. She also moved to Washington, D.C. and started working as a lobbyist, and she befriended Congressman Benjamin Butler. Together, the two of them worked out this argument that there didn't need to be a constitutional amendment giving women the right to vote, that women already did have the right to vote under the 14th and 15th Amendments. She was allowed to deliver that argument before Congress on January 11th, 1871, making her the first woman to do so. Although suffragists were very interested in Woodhull and she was invited to join the National Women's Suffrage Association, women's suffrage wasn't really her key political issue. She was a lot more focused on education reform and assistance for the poor and reforms of marriage laws so that men and women were equal partners, something that was described at the time as free love. That is not at all the free love of the hippies. She gave a speech about this free love idea on November 20th of 1871, and this absolutely tanked her candidacy. 
It was viewed as too radical and immoral, and she was widely denounced. Most of the suffragists cut ties with her. Only the most radical stayed by her side and helped her found the Equal Rights Party, which nominated her for president in 1872, also nominating Frederick Douglass as vice president, although he declined that nomination. At this point, though, things were really falling apart for Victoria Woodhull. All the controversy lost her clients on Wall Street, and her stockbroker business failed, and she lost all of her money. Then she tried to stoke up a big scandal with her sister involving Catherine Beecher and Harriet Beecher Stowe and their brother. This didn't get them anything positive. Victoria and Tennessee wound up being arrested for distributing indecent material through the mail. So on election day, they were in jail. That's a pretty unspectacular end of the campaign for the first woman to run for president, and there is some debate about whether her candidacy even really counts. The Constitution requires presidents to be at least 35 years of age, and Woodhull turned 75 on September 23, 1873, which was nearly 10 months after the election and six months after Inauguration Day of 1873. You can learn more about this in the March 28th, 2011 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class, Little Queen for President. And you can subscribe to this Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for one of the United States' most infamous traitors. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History Class, where we learn a smidgen of history every day. The day was September 23, 1889. Fusajiro Yamauchi founded Nintendo Kopai in Kyoto, Japan, to manufacture Hanafura, or Japanese playing cards. Now known as Nintendo, the company is a major international player in the video game industry. Hanafuda is a Japanese word that means flower cards. A deck of Hanafuda contains 48 cards, including 12 suits with four cards each. Each suit is named after a month, and each month is associated with a flower that is illustrated on the cards in its suit. Hanafura games developed in Japan after Western-style playing cards made their way to the country with Europeans. The Yakuza often used Hanafura in their illegal gambling parlors. Fusajiro was an artist and entrepreneur who lived in Kyoto with his family. For a while in Japan, many card games were banned to put an end to illegal gambling. But the government did end up relaxing some of its restrictions, and Hanafura games were allowed. So Fusajiro decided to create Hanafura cards from crushed mulberry tree bark and paint images on them. He opened his own Hanafura card shop and called it Nintendo Kopai. Hanafura had not been a huge hit before this point, but Fusajiro's handcrafted cards were extremely popular. He hired people to help make the cards, and eventually he began mass producing Hanafura cards and making Western-style cards. Nintendo became a hugely successful playing card company, and by 1929, he retired and his adopted son-in-law, Sekirio Yamauchi, took over as president of the company. Two decades later, Hiroshi Yamauchi took over as president, and the name of the company was changed to Nintendo Playing Card Company Limited. Nintendo became successful at mass-producing plastic playing cards in Japan, 
And by 1963, Nintendo began branching out into other industries, like taxi services, hotel chains, and food companies. It also started manufacturing games. All the other business ventures weren't that successful, but the electronic toys and games they began producing were a hit. In 1970, Nintendo began selling the Beam Gun, a solar-powered light gun. Realizing its success with electronic toys and the decline of playing card sales, Nintendo began producing home and arcade video games. Engineer and product developer Gunpa Yokoi, as well as video game designer Shigeru Miyamoto, played major roles in the company's success with video games such as Donkey Kong and Jumpman, better known as Mario. At that point, Nintendo continued to make waves in video gaming, creating handheld video games and home video game consoles. The Nintendo Entertainment System was released as the Family Computer, or Famicom, in Japan in 1983, before it was launched in North America two years later. The Game Boy was introduced in Japan in 1989. Nintendo still makes playing cards, but is better known for the strides it has made in the video game industry. I'm Eve Stepcote, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at TDIHC Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you again tomorrow for more tidbits of history. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.